This is the Family Ninjas Podcast, bringing you experts that can share real-life experiences that help you strengthen your family. Janine, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Janine, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, sure. So I'm a licensed mental health counselor. Um, I'm based out of Massachusetts, and I run a couple of websites online, and they're really focused on helping families and other counselors and other people who work with kids, helping them build different sorts of skills. So my main website is copingskillsforkids.com, and on there I have lots of resources for parents and other people who work with kids to help them manage their anxiety, their anger, their stress and any other big feelings that they're having. And then I also happen to run Encourage Play, which is all about teaching kids how to deal with social skills and how to build social skills through play. So that's a lot of the focus. Although still today, I actually do see clients privately. I run a small group for um, anxiety for teen girls. So Mm. I not only run this, but I actually am still also practicing, which is really fun because it Uh definitely feeds information to me and gives me good, it keeps me fresh. It keeps me um, right in there with knowing what's going on with teenagers, what's going on with kids, what games they're playing, that kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. That's fantastic. We're so excited to hear um, more about all these coping skills and, and your favorite um, things that you teach them and everything that you've learned over the years. And I guess I'm kind of the odd one out here between you, Janine and, and Tanya here. Uh, on the show, uh, I'm the one who is not a licensed mental health therapist. Um, you guys both have um, much more experience and education than I do when it comes to helping children uh, with anxiety. I'm lucky enough to be the dad of one little girl who I love very much. She's almost two, um, and she's, you know, kind of a shy personality in some contexts and maybe some of that comes from anxiety. I don't know. I get to learn a lot about that from Tanya. She coaches me on how to help that little girl. But I think one thing that might help people listening to this podcast would be if I assume the role of the more ignorant uh, you know, parent here um, and ask you guys, you know, both as people who are helping children who struggle with anxiety or any other of the, the big emotions, uh, help me understand um, and help me, help me validate or uh, rebut uh, some of these common questions. Are you open to that? Sure. Sounds great. All right. I'll start with one that... Uh, might make me sound like a bit more of a, an ignoramus than, than others, but you know, even just a generation uh, prior to ours, or even some of my generation, you know, grew up in a household where you're just supposed to toughen up and get through it. And um, you know, there's a lot of emotions that kids experience um, that they just don't understand yet in a lot of different situations. But uh, maybe you two can can address some of the consequences or some of the, um, the, the misunderstandings in some of these toughen up type households. Is that, is that helpful or hurtful? What do you think, Tanya? Do you want to tackle it first or do you want me to? Uh, oh, I think we both should. Um, but what instantly comes to mind is, is Dr. John Gottman's research on, 
on emotion coaching with kids. And of course, it's also with adults too. But this particular book, Raising Emotionally Intelligent Child, focuses on kids. And it talks about the importance of validating emotions in kids and, and teenagers. Um, you know, when we push down emotions, then we might tend to feel shame. We might feel like our emotions aren't valid. And I like to tell my clients and everybody that every emotion is okay. It's what we do with it that matters. And so if we feel frustrated with a sibling, if we feel frustrated at school, if we're really sad about a friend, that's okay. And it's how we talk about it, how we deal with it that really matters. You know, we can choose to hit our sibling or we can choose to you know, go talk to a parent about it or, or go to our room and, and read or color or do something to calm down. Um, and so some of, um, the, some of the principles that John Gottman teaches are to notice what your child is feeling because a lot of times these, these feelings are so overwhelming in kids and they don't even know what's going on. So to notice what your child is feeling and to um, validate that emotion to help understand what's going on. Now, validating doesn't mean that you have to accept it, right? So if your child is throwing a huge tantrum in the store, that doesn't mean you're validating that it's okay to yell and scream and kick your legs in the store, but it's okay to feel disappointed that you're not getting this toy or whatever it might be that you're throwing the tantrum about. Um, so I'll hop in there and for then a after you do all that, then you problem solve with them and help them realize, okay, this is how you can deal with this emotion. And this is how you can cope with um, feeling angry or feeling really disappointed that your best friend was mean to you today or whatever it might be. Gotcha. So you packed a lot in there and Janine, maybe you can help us unpack that. Uh, a little bit more, but to summarize, Tanya, it sounds like uh, a toughen up attitude uh, ignores the emotion that the child is feeling and doesn't give them the skills they need to identify their emotions so they know how to, um, you know, work with them on their own in the future. Mm -hmm. Janine, is that, a, is that a fair way to put it? Yeah, I would say so. And I think the other piece of that is helping parents recognize and adults recognize kids have big feelings too. They feel sad. They feel stressed. They feel angry. The same feelings that adults feel, kids feel too. And a lot of times they feel it bigger. So their happy is really happy, but their sad is really sad. So to be able to help kids learn to modulate and manage and self-regulate, we do need to be able to help them identify what those feelings are and figure out steps that they can take to manage those emotions. Just, just like Tanya said, all feelings are okay. It is okay to feel everything. It is okay to be furious at your brother. It is not okay to hit him. So what can you do instead? Help, help me understand that a little bit more, that you know, these kids are kids, they have the same feelings we do, but you said a lot of times they're just bigger. Um, what happens as we uh, get older? Do we just get used to those feelings and have a better idea of how to manage them in a lot of cases? And so we kind of forget how big those feelings can be or, you know, help me, help me empathize a little bit here with my kid and understand why their emotions are so big. Oh, yeah. So what it's actually developmentally appropriate that their emotions are kind of bigger. As we get older, as you get older, as you mature, 
your highs are not as high and your lows are not as low. That's just what happens as you develop. Mm -hmm. And as you develop, you are supposed to learn how to manage your feelings. So ideally, as an adult, you have several different ways of coping when you get frustrated. Say somebody is, you know, you're in a really long line or somebody cuts you off in traffic. You have different ways of dealing with it. Are they always great? No, but you can manage it. You know how to manage how to deal with those bigger emotions. Kids are new. It, the world is new to kids. The mm. first time a kid feels sad is very overwhelming. The first time a kid feels angry, they have no idea what's happening in their body. So it makes sense that it's harder for them to sort of manage, identify, label, and regulate. So that's where we as the parents step in and say, okay, so this is what this is. It feels really big, and there are some ways that we can help you work through this. I like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the thing that made it click for me is when he described, you know, the first time. This is the first time or one of the first times that the kid is feeling that emotion. So for me as a parent to relate to that, maybe I can think about the emotions that I experience the first time that I lose a job or the emotions that I experience right. the first right. time that I, lo I lose a loved one. Right. So kind of a fun fact going along with all of this, researchers say that our brain isn't fully developed until we're about the age of 25. So I think that helps put everything in perspective. You know, our, our kids' executive functioning, which is basically what we use to rationalize, to use coping skills, to deal with these things, you know, it's very, very small. It is not developed until we're basically graduating college. And so sometimes I think that helps put it in perspective and help us think, okay, this is normal, just like Janine was saying. It's the first time they've experienced this or even the second or third. And so they're still learning how to work through that at a very physiological level. Yeah, okay, so absolutely. In the first question, I totally threw parents under the bus. Uh, so with the second question here, let's, let's try to redeem them a little bit. Um, are these big emotions uh, that children feel, or maybe to get a little more specific, um, do children who struggle with anxiety struggle because of bad parenting? My well, answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, They're awesome. Yeah, no, I don't think that parents whose kids are struggling with anxiety are bad parents at all. Absolutely not. You know, anxiety, oftentimes there's a genetic component to it. So a lot of times we have, we see anxious kids and I see an anxious parent in front of me. I actually, one of the longest running clients I have right now, um, her mom talks about it. She's like, I know where she gets it from. She gets it from me, Janine. And I just, it's hard for us to sort of both manage our anxiety at the same time. And I said, yeah, it's true. It's really, it is, there is this piece of it that is uh, genetic when it comes to anxiety, but also it's just personality. It's just um, how they are. Different people have different reactions to different things. And so maybe two non-anxious parents might have an anxious child and it doesn't mean that they're bad parents. It just means that that's the way that their child is reacting. And then they have to do some different, learn some different strategies, help their child learn different ways to manage their anxiety. They didn't do anything wrong. It's just figuring out what strategies will work for their kid better. Right. I, I completely agree with that. And I just want to add that as parents, we need to make sure to take care of ourselves too, because I've seen so many parents just come in struggling because they're so 
um, overwhelmed for their child who's struggling with crippling anxiety or depression or whatever it might be. And so to recognize that no parent is perfect, we're all going to make mistakes. But if you are parenting out of love and out of concern, which I think most, if not all of us are trying to do that, then everything works out in the end. So make sure that you give yourself a break as a parent and recognize that, you know, everybody has challenges. Some might be harder than others, but to love yourself and your child and know that you can get through, through this together. And it doesn't mean that you're a bad parent and it doesn't mean your child is a bad child, even if, you know, we might make mistakes sometimes. Yeah, because we all make mistakes. Parents, yeah. kids, everybody. <laughs> Counselors, right? We're not for big people. Right, exactly. Nope, absolutely not. Well, let's talk about getting through um, some of these challenges when you have a child who is struggling with anxiety or some other type of, of big emotion, anger management, whatever it might be. Um, one of the common ways to maybe cope as a parent or to talk about it with your spouse um, is that, hey, this is just a phase. They're going to grow out of it. Is that helpful or hurtful? You is it, know, is it accurate even? You know, it, I think really just depends. None of us are fortune tellers. I wish we could be, but <laughs> we're not. For some kids, I've seen them just latch on to coping skills and they run with it and they turn out um, to be just fine after that and, and just have normal levels of anxiety that aren't too severe or too um, distracting to their daily life. But for others, it might be a recurring thing. And a lot of times, if you have one episode of like depression, for example, you're much more likely to have another um, so I guess my very vague answer is it just depends. What do you think, Janine? What have you seen? Um, I've seen, yeah, I agree. It, it does depend and that's what's tricky about it. But I think the thing is it can manifest in different ways as kids get older. So anxiety would look different in a three-year-old than it does in a 13-year-old or even when they're an adult as a 21-year-old, you know. Um, and I think one of the things to keep in mind is those periods of transition for a kid who is prone to anxiety, that's a time where it can spring up. So, you know, if they're, if you're going back to school, oftentimes there's a little spike in anxiety. If you're transitioning between schools, if you're starting something new, you know, a lot of those sorts of things can trigger that anxious cycle, even though you've dealt with it in other ways in the past. And that's, and then you just need to learn and have some different coping strategies in your toolbox, making sure that you can figure out some new things to do to deal with those big anxiety feelings, whatever is happening. And it, it you know, you know, if somebody is, if your parents are getting, re, if your mom is marrying another person and, or your parents are going through a divorce, if your pet dies, these are all sort of triggers for, um, that could cause some more anxiety or other big feelings at that point. So, That's interesting. So you mentioned several different types of triggers there. Um, the school year starting again, going to school for the first time, uh, parents going through a divorce. A lot of people when they're trying to figure out the why question behind their kids struggle with anxiety or other big emotions. Um, they might try to tie it back to uh, some primary event, like my kids struggled with anxiety because this happened when they were younger. 
is that an accurate is that a good way to think about it does it come from one event from one trigger is it instead of that more of just a, a personality trait in some people or is there another way we should be thinking about that it's tricky because i oh go ahead tanya what we're gonna say <laughs> oh i no go ahead well, because it depends on the kid. It depends on the anxiety. So some kids, maybe if they had a bad experience with water, then they have that, they may have that fear of water. Can they conquer that fear? Absolutely. But it could take a little bit of time. And then maybe if they're experiencing, if they're coming in contact with water again, that can trigger that anxiety. But then there are kids that are just more prone to feeling anxious and feeling anxious to the point where it interferes with their daily lives. Everybody feels anxious, but it's one of those things where we're on the continuum. Is this impacting how they are able to go to school, how they're able to interact with their friends, their, their relationship with their family. If it's impacting that, that's a bigger sort of form of anxiety that we really need to be dealing with. Tanya. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think those are some great points and reminders. I think you just asked Kevin the billion dollar question. Is it nature? Is it nurture? We really mm -hmm. don't know. And it's a little bit of both. And so there might be some, you know, primary event like Janine was talking about with water or if you experience a trauma. Other times it might be a whole bunch of ones um, added up. Like maybe you had a really couple of bad years at school being bullied and other times it might be genetics or um, things that happened, you know, ever since you were a baby. There's obviously a big genetic component to anxiety and depression and a lot of these disorders. So it really is yes to everything. Okay. So with, <laughs> yeah. with being yes to everything, you know, how do we help parents understand it and, um, what resources can parents seek out to help them understand it more, but also to get help for their children? Janine, I know something that's really important to you is helping people understand that they're not alone um, in a lot of these struggles. Maybe you can talk a little bit to uh, some of the resources out there for people to find help. Yeah, absolutely. So one um, resource that I really want people to know about is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. It's, uh, nas it's national, obviously, um, but they also have, I think, offices in Canada as well. But what's neat about this um, agency is they do a lot of work connecting families. So they have a family-to-family -family connection group where families whose children are struggling with different mental health concerns can get together and share and talk and communicate and be able to help each other out. It's one of those things where when your child is struggling, it feels very isolating. And that is the worst feeling in the world as a parent, to be sitting on the sidelines of the soccer game and feel like nobody, you can't talk to the other moms or you can't talk to the other dads because they don't get it. Mm. To be able to find somebody who gets it is really key. And so um, that's why I love NAMI and that's why I love that they have those family to family connections. Um, so that parents can talk. But then if you don't have anything local to you, then there's also Facebook. And I know that there's all sorts of controversy around <laughs> Facebook sometimes. But I have to say, one of my favorite things about Facebook is Facebook groups. So there are some great, amazing, supportive, um, informative, helpful groups out there of people you know, if your child is struggling with sensory processing, if they're struggling with um, 
ADHD. There are lots of groups out there with um, other parents who are going through it. So you can post and ask a question and get um, support that way, or you can support other families that way, support other um, moms that way. I think it's a great um, thing that, you know, to be able to find a community on Facebook that who can understand and get you when you don't, you can't find that community where you live. That's great. I think one of the big fears uh, or concerns in going to Facebook for help is just finding a quality group. Do you have a couple in mind that we could maybe get from you after the show and put in the show notes? Yeah, absolutely. I actually, I run a group myself called the Coping Skills for Kids group. And in awesome. there, I just post a lot of stuff um, about um, different coping skills articles I like. Actually, we every Friday I post or Friday or Saturday morning, uh, depending on whether I remember to do it on Friday night or Saturday morning. Um, I post asking people about their self-care because I think it's one of those things that we as adults overlook a lot when we're, especially when we're in helping, especially when we're in parent mode. Um, so I really focus on that. And there's several others that I can let you know about that are run by um, really knowledgeable people, um, people with experience um, and licenses, or just lots of experience working with uh, children who are struggling with all sorts of issues. So I'm happy to um, share those with you afterwards and give those links for you. That'd be great. Tanya, what are your thoughts on some resources for parents? You know, one of the things I always told clients is finding resources, finding help and maybe counselors or, or books that you really like is a lot like teachers at school. So I'm sure all of us have had teachers at school or kids have had teachers that we just love while other parents say, oh, you know, the, they were the worst teacher. They didn't understand my child or my child didn't learn everything anything and and vice versa and to me that's really just a testament that that every person is different and unique and so everybody is going to like a little bit different of coping skills or of resources or theories that just clicks with them so there are definitely research-based skills that are out there, things that have been proven to help many, many people. But if something isn't clicking for you or your child, don't be afraid to say, you know what, this isn't the right fit. Let me try something else. And I also just want to say that there is hope out there. I have seen so many children who have struggled with some really hard things and been able to overcome it um, because they're so resilient. And... So there are just many different places that we can put in the show notes and refer them to like Janine was talking about. Um, so my advice is just don't give up hope. There is going, are going to be many valuable people to talk to, connections to make, you know, books to read, counselors to see, whatever it is. Um, there are lots of different things that can help. And one last thing, I know I'm rambling a little <laughs> bit. Um, but if your child is struggling with severe anxiety or depression or anger, whatever it is, to use their imagination in coming up with coping skills. A lot of times as adults, we tend to say, okay, this is what you need to do. But if we let them use their imagination to make it tailored to what they need, then then it's so much more helpful. So one quick example I'll give is one of my favorite coping skills to work on with kids is talking back to fear. And so you personify fear. Um, if you've watched Inside Out, one example is, is 
Peter is personified, right? He's this purple little funny looking guy. And so talk back to them about whatever you're feeling and, and why he can't run away with your emotion anymore. And so this one client I was working with um, started, instead of talking back, fighting back in his imagination with these ninja moves and warrior tactics. And so that worked for him. And I, it was just a light bulb moment for me, like, oh, wow, if I let kids just take it and run with it, it doesn't have to be this cognitive behavioral therapy that I learned about in school. He can just create this epic battle in his mind that's like Superman or Spider-Man or whatever. And that worked for him. And he did a lot better with his anxieties after that. That's great. That's amazing. I love that story because that's what it is all about when it comes to coping skills. You know, I have a bunch of coping skills that I list on a checklist and everything like that, but I leave space because I want people to be able to use it and take it and run with it and do whatever works for them. And I find that, yeah, I'll give a list of all these coping skills. And then I find that I learn from my clients, well, what has worked for you? And they'll share with me, oh, I did, I tried this way of breathing and it really worked. Or I did this little tweak to this one and it's not quite how you explained it, but this works better for me. Mm -hmm. And I say, go for it. It's great. Whatever is going to work for you to help you stay calm and focused and ready to learn in the moment at school or ready to be out and wherever you want to be going with your life. I think it's fantastic. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Janine. Thank you, Tanya. I guess before we do close, I should leave space in case I've forgotten a question you guys care about. Is there anything that uh, just comes to mind real quick as we wrap up here that we want to make sure we address? Uh, Janine, why don't you tell us a little bit more as we leave about um, your own resources? I know you have a workbook and some coping um, cue cards and That's stuff. So tell us a little bit about that before we leave. Oh, sure. So, you know, as we were just talking about, you know, um, always wanting to make sure that kids figure out their own ways of coping skills. But one of the things that I found as I was sitting and doing work with kids, I always wanted a book where I could just open it and like have them look through and we could try some different strategies to always be building their coping skills toolbox. And I was never able to find the book that I wanted. So I wrote it. Um, and so uh, the coping skills for kids workbook has 70 over 75 strategies for kids to try. It's divided into four different types of coping strategies. So being able to help them learn how to calm their bodies, being able to move to get extra energy out, being able to distract themselves by playing or doing some other things that are enjoyable for them, and being able to talk through and process what is causing their big feelings and some different ways that they can work on those big feelings, get them out of, get them out of their body in different ways. So, um, as I was working on the workbook, people kept looking for, you know, do you have any cards? Do you have any visuals that I could use? Because, you know, I used to be a school counselor. I love visuals. I worked in an elementary school for years and years. And so I know that kids really respond well to visuals. They work very well for kids. So mm -hmm. what I started decks of cards that are actually on each card is a different coping skill. So right now we have the discovery deck, which has actually five different types of uh, strategies. It's the four I mentioned before, plus sensory, because I think sensory is a big piece of 
um, helping kids be able to relax and calm down as well. And then now we're starting to make different decks to help. So I have an entire deck of 44 strategies for relaxation. And I believe I have the distraction deck coming out next. So that's another 44 ways kids can be distracted, you know, knitting or sewing or playing a video game or creating your own game, lots of fun stuff. And then next we're working on the sensory deck. So lots of fun stuff coming down um, as we're going into 2019. So I'm really excited to see what happens. Excellent. Well, Janine, thank you again so very much. It's been a joy talking to you. And Tanya, thank you so much for uh, sharing some of your perspective as well. Yeah, thank you, Janine. We appreciate it. Thank you both so much. It's been a pleasure. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.